bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 141 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja, and this week we are talking with Daniel Schumann. He is sharing his weight loss journey with us, and we're doing a pretty deep conversation today. I am really wanting to go a little bit more deeply into the discomfort and the struggles for people who are living in overweight and obese bodies. Without shaming, without making people to f- people feel ridiculed or unlovable, more, our society makes us feel that way all the time. And Daniel and I both have lived in obese bodies and felt that ridicule and shame and and that feeling like we are to blame for our obesity. Uh, this is not what this episode is about. So please, if you're listening and you're struggling with your own shame, I hear you and you will hear me talk a lot about, this is something that I still struggle with, um, with carrying that shame. And it's something that I'm, I'm really working hard on and self-judgment. It's interesting because most of us wouldn't be hold judgment for others but we carry so much for ourselves. And I know that, you know, I've really carried so much shame and judgment and self-hatred at my own obesity and weight struggles over the years and food addiction issues. They carry so much stigma and our society makes it so difficult to love yourself when you're in an obese, overweight body, even though it's simultaneously creates the perfect storm for obesity everywhere we turn, in our magazines, in our advertising, in our supermarkets, in our petrol stations. There is high calorie, as Dr. Greger calls it, crap food. Calorie rich and processed foods are everywhere. And and the stress of living is higher than you know ever before pretty much in history and when we're stressed we tend to reach for high calorie foods and the cycle just goes round and round and round because it's so readily available and there are so many factors there antibiotics the cesarean increased rates of cesarean section all damage our microbiome they all increase the likelihood of our microbiomes being overrun by pathogenic bacteria as Many of the experts on this show have mentioned and explained before, Natalie Woodman being one of them, and I'll put her links to her episodes in the show notes for you to check out. But there are so many reasons, and also mentioned in this episode is the work of Dr. Doug Lyle and Dr. Alan Goldhammer, and their book, The Pleasure Trap, is also helpful if you're feeling ashamed Reading that book can really help to remove some of that shame because it really isn't anyone's fault. This is 
designed. We are this, this. Our societies are designed to keep us hooked on crap food. So please leave your shame at the door and listen to Dan's story today. Dan previously weighed three hundred and fifty-five pounds, and he has lost a incredible 170 pounds and looks amazing and I know feels amazing and we're really going to talk about what it's like to struggle with our weight and to not know a way out that works, not be able to find a way out that works and then what it's like to to find that solution in a whole food plant-based diet. So he's going to give us some tips. We're going to have, we had a really great chat. I absolutely loved talking to Dan. It was just such an easy conversation that I really, really enjoyed. So I hope that you do too. Thank you all for listening and I'll see you at the end of the episode. Well, hello, Dan, and welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. I've found your story over on Forks Over Knives, the official Facebook group, I, I think. Is that accurate? Because my memory, it's a co- been in isolation now for two months, so <laughs> forgive me. If- yeah, I believe it was on the Forks Over Knives page. Uh, I posted my story, a before and after picture, yeah. and uh, we connected through there. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that there because it was – I love, even though I'm 100 and – your episode 141, I still oh, wow. really love – Sharing stories like yours, I never get sick of it because it, it it's inspirational to me. So I'm so grateful when people like yourself post those before and afters because I know that it helps inspire every single person in that Facebook group who sees your shots and hears your story. And I'm certain that your story today will inspire so many people listening because as you know, in that weight loss journey, for you know, I was over 100 kilos and... It has some ebbs and flows where you think, ah, oh, what's it going to hurt? You know, I've been this weight for a month and I may as well just eat this cake, you know, or I may as well just, you, you do dip in your motivation. So stories like yours really helps you to get over that dip and get back onto the straight and narrow, so to speak. Uh, thank you. Well, you know, podcasts like yours and others like this have been a huge part of my success too, especially when I was starting off. You know, just to hear other people talk about their experience, to, to model it a bit, that was really, really helpful to me. So thank you for doing this. And um, so I, I am excited. Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to help people. And I, I love telling my story. So uh, it's not a bother for me at all. That's awesome. So can we go back to the very beginning? When you started to – how old were you when you started to notice weight climbing on? Oh, always. I, I was always a big kid. Uh, I was probably always the – most obese in my class as a kid growing up, um, as a teenager through college. I, I definitely started to gain a lot more weight after I got married. Um, I think there was just a little bit more stress in life, a little bit more responsibilities. Um, and I think that that was um, something that I was pretty conditioned of how to deal with stress and anxiety was through food and through eating. So when I started to experience some you know, real stress or real anxiety, um, not that there are stress and anxiety that isn't real, uh, honestly. Once I experienced a more intense stress and anxiety, I should say, for me, um, I, that went into overdrive, and I definitely gained a significant amount of weight after getting married. But I was always obese, and I've always had issues with food my entire life. Mm. 
What was your eating like as a child? Like, what was, was there any guidance around nutrition? Was anyone talking to you about the foods that you were eating? It was something that we talked about a lot. You know, we, we wanted to eat healthy. We wanted to be healthy. I don't think we understood what that meant. I think we had a lot of misconceptions. You know, we had, I ate a very standard American diet, you know, lots of oils and, you know, thinking that things like olive oil were healthy and lots of pastas and meat, hot dogs. I, I don't think we ever thought hot dogs were healthy necessarily, um, but we were, we did think we need animal proteins every day. So it was really very standard American food. I also keep kosher. I grew up eating kosher. So my eating's always been a little bit uh, different and, um, We've always had a little bit of effort put into looking into what we were eating. So that was always an important part, but that didn't necessarily mean that what we were eating were, was healthy uh, by any stretch of the imagination. It does sound very similar to lots of people, but I think that it is interesting because I think that you're the first coach. No, Alan Kalmus, sorry, Dr. Alan Kalmus was on the show and he also uh eats kosher as well because he was he commented on my post yesterday <laughs> telling me about <laughs> kosher hot dogs don't have pork pigs butts in them they have beef <laughs> but it's interesting because I hadn't really thought about how you would have you'd have to know more about the food that you're eating when you're trying to eat kosher which is interesting because I do think that that helps put you in a mindset to kind of set to look at food more like for me I mindlessly ate more because I didn't even know where food came from I didn't know anything but when you have to eat kosher you have to kind of know where your food how your food is prepared at least is that right I'm super ignorant <laughs> no you're totally you're totally right you're absolutely right because when you you know when you keep kosher when you go to pick something up especially if it's something you're not familiar with the first thing you do is you look to the label, you see if there's any certifications on it, you look at the ingredients. So that's something that I grew up with. That was something I was somewhat conditioned with. Uh, so you're absolutely right. Yeah, that, that made it a little bit easier. Yeah. So you, I just, I, I, I feel like I skirt over this a bit when we go into this podcast. And I feel like it's important because people, when you're listening, having people talk about the the heavy parts about being heavy, I think is important because when we just say, oh, you know, I was heavy and now I'm not. And it just flits over the big, massive chunk where you're like super depressed. You've got no self-esteem. You f hate summer. Winter's also bad. <laughs> you know, exercise is also <laughs> awful. All these things that are awful about it. And so what was when you're thinking about your life in an obese body, what were the struggles for you? Everything was a struggle. It, it was not, you know, it, it's important. There's a lot of talk uh, today about, um, you know, fat shaming and things like that. And I, I, it's always my, my approach to it is that it's important. And when I think back to myself, it's important to have compassion for myself and for others going through it. Absolutely. But part of that compassion is also understanding that that's not an optimal way to live necessarily if that's something that you control, which I can I believe that it is. And it, I, I feel I suffered tremendously for a very large – most of my life. And to think that there's other people go, going through that, that, that's very sad to me. It's very heartbreaking. And that's one of the big motivations to do something like this is to hopefully get that story out there because it was extremely empowering for me and I – feel like there's so many people out there just waiting to be empowered as well to get a little bit of a taste of that and to really change their lives because living I mean I I've every single moment in my life I was self-conscious I was sad about it there was not a day that I was complacent with it um you know it affected 
romantic relationships. It affected my self-perception. I got kicked off of amusement rides, uh, amusement park rides. Um, I've broken chairs. But, you know, those were the big events. But it was really just every day being in a room, feeling self-conscious, not knowing if you're going to fit somewhere. Was, there was always a bit of shame with that. Uh, at least per- that was my personal experience with it. Um, I don't think that people should necessarily feel shame for it. I think a lot of it is a product of our of our environment. And that's you know why I say it's important for us to have compassion for ourselves and for other people. Because it is a struggle. And it's, it's, it's something I'm always going to have in the back of my head, I believe, my whole life. Something I'm always – I always still – like I'll get into a room and like I'll check my stomach you know, to make sure I'm not bumping into something. And you kind of go down like, oh, yeah, that's not there anymore. That's, that's really nice. And it's, it's been a while, but I still – it's almost like a phantom limb in certain ways. I – hundred percent agree that it isn't about shaming people because but the thing is you do for many 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 obese people now I'm not speaking for the whole population of obese people around the globe because if some people are feel they feel great and they feel fine and that's wonderful but for many of the guests on this show and for many people I know myself included it is I, I was talking to a person the other day and that she my my, my my Reiki teacher and she was like I'll sit with a photo of your 24 year old self and and imagine that she's with you when I was at my sickest with multiple sclerosis. What do you – what is it like for you being with her, being with your 24-year-old self? And I sat there and it was really, really horrible because I hated her, you know, and I didn't realise. I didn't realise in my logical mind and my – right now but I was looking at her thinking oh my god look at the way you eat look at the way you don't look after yourself you're smoking and you're I know what I ate like when I was 24 and look at what you're doing to your body and oh why are you so hopeless and miserable and lazy and oh and I was sitting there in my mind and then I was looking at myself now going oh you're so judgmental and you're so cruel to her (laughs) and you're so awful you're an awful person right now and poor her having you judge her so harshly it was just really harsh because I thought that I was totally fine but you carry that deep shame and I thought I was past it at 40 to 40 years old and just had compassion for myself but I sat with me going oh look at you you're so yuck and fat and gross and and then there was these two things where I, the both people who were in that situation, I didn't like either of us, you know, for, for our behavior. But it's, it is, it sticks with us, that shame that we carry and we're taught to carry by our society. And I'm still trying to relinquish that shame and meet that 24-year-old with love and say, oh, my gosh, you're doing exactly the best you possibly can in this moment, in this time in your life. You're trying so hard and you've got no resources, no education and no tools about how to navigate your obesity and your health problem. But that internal, you know, you spend you spend 24, you know, 40 years of your life being told by the media and the world that being fat is disgusting and shameful. And, and it's your fault. And it's your fault, which is not your fault. And it's not to be shamed. And it's not. Yeah. But that it was interesting to see that I still had that initial reaction of repulsion to myself in that meditation yeah that's that's really interesting because I, I i i struggle with the thought a lot sometimes as well where there's like a duality to it where you know i don't like the way i look then i don't think i look good but i also have to, i love myself and i have compassion for myself i you know i understand why i look that way but i i don't objectively think i look very good then i mean 
But, you know, I got married when I looked that well. My wife fell in love with me when I looked like that. So, um, you know, she was able to see past that, you know, (laughs) thankfully. (laughs) We're so lucky that our loved ones could see the beautiful beauty in us when we couldn't see it in ourselves. And I, you know, as I said, like I was still, I I hope that that doesn't come across what I'm saying as I'm a horrible monster. It's just interesting. (laughs) It's just interesting because I really cried thinking, wow, I still have so much heavy feelings about, my past self, which I thought that I was over. But when I sat with myself, I was like, it all came flooding back, that self-loathing and heavy feelings. And it's it's really something that people just don't seem to talk about enough, that deep shame that you have about being yourself. And as you say, when it's completely, it is completely not our fault. We don't live in a world that supports people being a healthy weight. Quite the opposite. And it's ultimately, it's a trauma. It's a, it's a long trauma that we struggled with a long time and anyone who struggled with it knows how bad it is knows how hard it is and that's something that's gonna and no matter how well you do with it it's i feel like it's gonna always be a little part of you and that's i think that's a good thing in a lot of ways um but it's always going to be there in some way and you know that's part of us that's part of our character and and that's what's going to make us who we are yeah for sure for sure so how when you started to make this what was the what were the stepping stones leading up to you losing the weight that you've lost now? Like what was, what, what was happening? I had always dieted most of my life. I had tried things like Weight Watchers. I don't know if you have that in Australia, we but we, um, okay. Yeah. Um, I guess they're a global thing at this point. And I have a little success here and there, but never anything massive. You know, like I said earlier, I got married. I gained some weight then. I, um, it was the after the birth of my second son um it really for some reason at that point it just hit home in my head that i was starting to just really get a little bit scared um just for my future and for my kids future i didn't have life insurance at the time i knew I, that i probably wasn't going to be able to get life insurance in that state um at that point and um you know, i just felt like if if i go and the state I'm in, that's not terribly unlikely. Like what's going to be with these kids? You know, how, how are they going to get by? You know, we, we get by, we barely get by as it is. Like if, if I'm going, what's going to happen and I, I need to be responsible. I need to do something to try to get a hold of, to get control of this. And that was probably the, the turning point ultimately. So while it was an amalgamation of my life of always wanting to do something, that was the final you know, push over the hump uh, to get me to, to really commit to get started uh, to do something real. Mm. And so how did you how did you find this in particular, a whole food plant-based diet? Because that's pretty radical from Weight Watchers yeah. <laughs> and, eat, and eating animals and processed foods to, to whole food plant-based diet. How did you find that? So I found it through my father's doctor. My father... Um, He'd also had a little bit of weight to lose, nowhere near what I did. And his doctor had recommended, he also had high blood pressure, and his doctor recommended he read um, the book Eat to Live by Dr. Joel Furman. My dad read it, and he didn't really adopt it, um, but he told me about it. And he kind of, we kind of argued a little bit about it. He, uh, you know, when, when he brought it up to me, I, I pretty much rejected the entire idea right away. I thought it sounded crazy. And so that was actually a little bit before uh, the the, the point that I started to lose weight. And so once I had decided to lose weight, I started first started um, by 
I watched this documentary called Fed Up, and um, it just got me really riled up and angry about the food system, and um, it really get, also gave me a push to get started, and it really led me towards a more like natural way of food. Like I really wanted to kind of go more towards like a paleo kind of thing, at least in the beginning, like only fruits, vegetables, things that are found in nature, animals, animals were still okay at that point for me. Um, and I started that a little bit and then that book kind of creeped up in my head and I thought about it. I said, well, let me give this book a shot again. Let me read it. And I really just kind of just rifled through it earlier. And I sat down, I actually read it. I read it in about a day and it, it spoke to me. It made a lot of sense to me. I I still had my issues with it that I you know wanted to try to disprove, and I tried to, and I was unsuccessful at that. And um, it kind of led me down a rabbit hole, and I learned about all you know other doctors, other books, other medical professionals that were doing this. Um, so for me, it really, you know, while I'm a, you know was a victim of the system in a way, the system kind of did help me because the recommendation did come from an MD, a family doctor, um, from the place where really it's supposed to come from, um, at least uh, if the system functions the way that it's supposed to. Um, I just feel very thankful and very lucky that my dad had the right guy who recommended it, um, someone who, who knew enough to look into these things. Um, I've since you know, met so many MDs and, and medical professionals and everything who you know, also uh, – tout this and recommend this to all their patients as well. Um, so yeah, that was really how I, how I got started with them. Wow. So <laughs> tell me about like the first week when you ditched animals and processed food. How was the, even the first few days, how were they for you? So it was, it was a little different for me because I didn't necessarily jump into the deep end right away. I kind of did it in stages a little bit um, for a while, for a good while. I think that's really helpful for a lot of people. Yeah, so for, because I was coming to it from purely the health side of things, um, you know, I wasn't. I I I love animals, but I, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a vegan. I guess um, I, I don't really eat meat, but I and you know, but I, I I again love animals, but just you know, not necessarily vegan. I don't feel comfortable um, saying that everything I do isn't some way taking advantage of animals in some way and. But I, I definitely uh, believe in that cause and and uh, and all of that. Um, but so that so coming from the health thing, it was for me. It was about sustainability and finding a way that I could do this, plug it into my life, um, start out small. But it was about lifestyle change for me. I knew if it was a program that I was going to be on, I was going to be off it one day, and I would most likely go back to my old habits and gain the weight back again, and whatever else comes along with that. So. It was really so sustainability. Being, so I did it very incrementally. Um, what that looked like for me in the beginning was very strict during the week. Um, and then on the weekends, like a meal or two stepped up with maybe some chicken or some sort of animal protein in some way. But I was trying to hit like 90% of my food was whole food plant-based at least. And then it you know, eventually came to times where it'd come to the weekend and I'd be like, yeah, I don't need it this weekend. And, you know, I kind of a craving something else let me do that i happen to love to cook i think i'm you know to not be too cocky i think i'm a pretty good cook um <laughs> so the um so i like to eat and um you know so i, I would always come up with something cool which is getting myself more excited about vegetables and whole grains beans fruits all that stuff um mushroom i'm super into mushrooms by the way me too and, so uh, good 
Oh, nice. I'm actually growing some in, in the other room. I want to grow some. I'm so excited oh, I, to I grow some. I'll tell you exactly tell what to do. Exactly I'm growing lion's mane mushrooms. <gasps> tell me exactly what to do. That's my dream. <laughs> oh, nice. So it's, I have a great guy. I don't know if he ships to Australia, but I know there's a guy that, in Pennsylvania that's making these mushroom substrate kits, but I'm actually just starting to like do it on my own now. So it's it's a process, but I would... Be happy to sit and talk with you. We could do a whole podcast after, just after, on mushroom growing okay, for sure. Okay, for sure. <laughs> we'll, we'll pause that, but please, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it for later. We're going to be talking about this. <laughs> so you're, cook, you're cooking for yourself and you were just eating less meat because you were choosing just to make things with vegetables because you're getting more interested in doing that, yeah? Exactly, yeah. So I, you know, I also was still using a little bit of oil in the beginning with things. I, I cut out sugar right away, but I was still using a little bit of oil. It was still hard for me to eat vegetables without oil right away. Oh, so um, hard. It was hard for me. Yeah. To be for you know, I guess I was just conditioned to it too. And, um, and then I just learned other ways to do it that I liked. It was For me, at the beginning, it was about finding the few things that I really liked that I could eat a lot of. You know, like I love asparagus with fresh garlic. You'd be like... And like roasted under the broiler or something like I could eat that all night and so if I could fill up on I found I knew if I could fill up on something like that like I'm going to be good to go um and it was like finding things like those and that was really helped me through the beginning um you know when because it the first week is not it's not easy you know it's hard you're breaking an addiction a lot of ways I, I had some headaches here and there it did feel a little bit like a, a withdrawal kind of thing in certain ways Especially with when you like cut out sugar, I find like processed sugar, um, candy. I was eating a fair amount of candy, soda, things like that. Um, and when you cut that out, that stuff out, cold turkey, um, I, I for me there was a little bit of like a withdrawal period. Um, that was a lot like you know breaking an addiction. I think that was uh, difficult and challenging, but it went away you know fairly quickly. Yeah, and so. How old were your children when you were doing this? So my, oh, now you got to do some math here. My, my second child was just born, so uh, he was a newborn, and my first, my son was four years old. And how was that? Because I know, well, I know myself. When you have a newborn, you're not probably sleeping as well as normal, and when we're tired know. and we're emotional eaters, we tend to want to shove the high calorie foods into our faces to get us through the day how did how was navigating sleep deprivation and and busyness with a whole new eating lifestyle diet lifestyle so the beginning honestly i was pretty motivated um in the beginning and for the first few months i would say i didn't I really didn't even deviate a whole lot. I didn't, I did, you know, I maybe once here and there. Um, but what I learned was that I was able to control it a lot more. I was able, once I started getting into the zone with, with eating well and feeling good, it was much easier for me to bounce back for things. And it was much easier for me to recognize my triggers that were getting me to eat. So, you know, one of the things I realized, you talk about being tired. Now that is, for some reason, being tired makes me eat so much. Like there's, if I, let's say I'm watching a movie late at night and if I fall asleep on the couch and I wake up, that period of time between the couch, bathroom, bed, 
is dangerous. I want to shove everything in my mouth that I can. It's for I guess it must be some sort of mechanism on my body that thinks, oh, you're going back to sleep. You need energy to store or something. And I just want to eat. If if there's junk food around, that's all I want to do is eating. So doing being so strict in the beginning really you know helped me recognize that. It helped me. Like, and once I was able to kind of put my finger on that feeling, I was able to control it a lot better. Um, you know. Talking like also being able to recognize whether I was eating for because I was actually hungry or whether I was eating because I was seeking mouth pleasure, and just asking myself that question really was very very helpful to me in the beginning. But it was also I was very motivated then too. You know I was really really fed up with being obese. Like I had had enough, and I wasn't going to be obese anymore. Like I I had come to that decision that. It was not going to happen anymore. So, so yeah. So, like, really. But you know, since then, you know, thankfully, I, I haven't struggled with my weight since then. I've been pretty much the same weight now for a good two years. But that's not to say that I don't have days or weeks that are that are uh, where I indulge a bit more. So that's not to say that I I, I can't fall into that trap again easily. Um, but being able to recognize it really helps. Um, the book, The Pleasure Trap, the videos on YouTube really helped me to put my finger on that as well and to under- have a better understanding of it um, so that I could deal with it. Yeah, it's such a great book and I can't wait one day to get Dr. Doug Lyle on the podcast because I love that man and his work. One thing I was going to talk to you about was your wife. How did she react when you said, I'm going to cut out all animals and processed foods? How did that go down? So she was she was extremely supportive. She always ate healthier than I did. She was she didn't and, and to her credit she did not have weight to lose, but she did it along with me. Um, she said if you're going to do it, I'll do it. And you know she never made me feel bad about my weight. But we both it was something we talked about a lot. It was something that we had game planned a lot together. Something we we knew we weren't you know like I said before we weren't complacent with it. We like we knew it was gonna we were we were hopefully going to fix it like one day and just like to jump in for a second, like that's a big piece of advice I tell people is like, just, you know, it sounds kind of, it is kind of cliche to tell people like, don't give up, but like really internalize that, like really never give up on it. Like don't accept that reality for yourself. Like you accept better for yourself, know that it can and will get better. It may take 10, 20 years to do it, but don't give up. Don't say like, oh, I'm happy like this. I'm going to be fine. Like you could be happy. Like that's happiness is important. Love yourself. You can still look great. You can still dress great. You can still have fun. You can still do amazing things. But also just keep that in the back of your mind that one day, you know, don't and try not to push it off, but say like, I'm not giving up. Whatever struggle I'm having now, it's always going to be there. And that's something I'm going to, it's a goal that I'm working towards, a lifelong long goal that I'm trying to attain. And that was the really the mindset that we both had. That helped us. So she she went along with me. She ate everything that I ate. Um, she would definitely indulge more than I did, but that didn't really affect me. And the, it's the the how it's related to my wife and my kids has been. You know, I I do most of the cooking in the house, so that helps. Um, <laughs> that if I'm cooking it, it's most likely going to be um, whole food, plant based. But you know, I'm also I, I don't want to just come in and pull the rug out from under them and say, hey, this is what I figured out and what I'm doing now, and everything that I've been telling you your whole life is wrong, and you need to now change and do the opposite. Because I, I, for me, I feel that that would be very destructive. I know a lot of – I've had this conversation with so many people. There are, are people that 
don't agree with me that think that, you know, especially for kids, that it's important to start this out early and to lay the law down. And to an extent, I, I believe that. But, you know, for me, the behavioral part is really a big part. I was a teacher for many years. I've worked in, in behavioral management for years. And um, you know, I, just, I know human behavior. And I feel like if I'm too tyrannical with it with my children, that when I'm not around, they're not going to make those quite those decisions and, you know, hope you know, potentially despite what I do. Um, so I'm really just trying to lead by example and helping them, helping, helping it make be exciting for them. Um, and something that, oh, hello, and something that, um, um, that, um, that they're going to want to do because they've seen how much it has improved my life and their lives to it. They, they see my, especially my older son, he can see what I was like beforehand. And when I was like, when I'm like now, he could see how much more I can do with him now that I couldn't do beforehand. Um, I always want to run and do stuff with him and I'm on the floor and it's completely changed that. And he, he's able to see that. Thankfully he was old enough to, to remember a life before and a life after. So hopefully he's, he's getting that. And he see, he sees this as something that I'm busy with, something that I'm doing, that I'm doing. It's not that I'm just, you know, the food that I eat is really stuff that my heart and soul goes into that, that really I put an effort to make it taste amazing. And, um, you know, so hopefully he sees that too, and he's a part of it. He likes, you know, he likes to help me out in the kitchen and be a part of it as well. So that's that's my game plan. And yeah. ho- hopefully it works. No, I do think <laughs> that for most people, leading by example makes such a difference. Yeah, I agree. You know, just being being that rather than like, and I've t- I've tried both. <laughs> I've tried ramming it into my parents, um, <laughs> and. And I still do that sometimes. Yeah, I'm guilty of it as well. (laughs) (laughs) But I know that just being healthy and living this way in front of them and around them when I'm at their house, when I'm, you know, exercising and eating well, they're the things that make, and for my kids as well, they're the things that stand out much more than when I'm nagging them about food, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, also hearing stories like yours, hearing health stories of people who have really transformed their lives. I mean, I, I transform a lot about my life, but to really overcome something like that, like what you went through, that is so empowering to me. It's so energizing to me. That Those are the things that make me kind of want to get in people's faces and be like, wait a minute, people don't have to be suffering with things like that. I, you know, I have friends, I have people, a lot, you know, I see people every day that are suffering, you know, in a lot of cases needlessly. And um, that's, you know, when you start to get a little bit, at least I get a little bit more in your face, a little bit more, you know, hopefully I've, I've evolved with it a, a bit from the beginning to now, you know, I'm less in your face now than when I was. But those are the things that are going to get me to get a little bit more excited about it and uh, hopefully impress upon people. Um, me, me too. But I do think that every time, I, so if my friend says to me, oh, you know, I've got this diagnosis or my friend's got this diagnosis or my father has this diagnosis, I find it so hard to bite my tongue when they say that. Especially when it's one that I know is completely preventable and reversible with diet. I wish that I could just, and I always just say, well, you know what I'm going to say? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm going to say, but I'm just not say yeah, well, it. <laughs> well, the way I kind of pivoted with it, I, where I just say like, well, you know, it might do this. So like there have been people who have done this. So you owe it to yourself to at least look into it. You know, if you know, I've spoken to 
this person, and I can, at this point, I've spoken to so many people where I can give a person's name who I've actually spoken to. I'm like, hey, this person who lives here has gone through this. You know, look into them, look to what to do, look at the research, just use that as a springboard. You know, I don't want anyone to take what I say. I'm not a medical professional. Yeah, exactly. Um, don't take anything I say with face value. Look into it. Use it as a springboard to do research and to see maybe this is something that could help me with whatever it is I'm dealing with in my life. Mm, absolutely. So we've just kind of gone off a tiny bit, but I mean, when we were focusing on your weight loss, what were the first kind of things that you noticed in your journey about your, either your mood or your symptoms? Were there anything that you were like, wow, I didn't expect this to also improve or were like, how soon did you start to notice shifts and changes in your body? Pretty quickly, I felt really good, like energized. Um, I didn't feel lethargic. You know, there's that first week, maybe a little bit of uh, fatigue, and like what I was talking about before, there's a little bit of withdrawal symptoms. But I felt very energized right away. I felt like, and I, in the past when I was dieting, it always felt like such a struggle. And for this, it really felt like I knew pretty much right in the beginning that this was going to be successful because of how easy it was. Um, you know, re- it really was, you know, finding the things that I like and eat and really wasn't like I wasn't hungry and I wasn't starving myself. So it it really wasn't uh, that bad, you know, that bad. So it was reacting, realizing that, that energy right away. That was really helpful. Um, being able to do things physically was very, very helpful. Um, it was a lot of things I didn't realize the good necessarily right away, but the absence of bad a lot of times, you know, like a lot of spatial things, you know, I talk about that trauma, I guess, of getting into a room and checking your stomach to feel like you're hitting into things. But that was like, that was a realization I had so many times, like getting into my car and expecting my stomach to hit the steering wheel and being like, Oh, it didn't like, wait, there's space here. Like, Whoa, it felt weird. It felt, it felt good and it felt different. Um, so the energy that thankfully I, I didn't have a lot of, um, you know, health issues going on at the time. I was young enough that I wasn't, uh, seeing that stuff yet. So I didn't have any, you know, traumatic, uh, any, um, dramatic changes in my health necessarily, but it was just a lot of energy, um, right away. I mean, just wanting to be outside more, yeah. um, so how much did you weigh at your heaviest, Dan? I weighed 355 pounds at my heaviest. Um, I'm not sure what the conversion pounds. is. I don't know. I'll Google it and put it in the show <laughs> notes. People, people are so bad at that. People often say, why are you writing in pounds? We're in Australia. And I say, because not just Australians listen. So <laughs> whoever's told me how much they weigh, I write down what they said. <laughs> if they're Australian, I'll use kilograms. If they're American, I use pounds. <laughs> So I apologize if you're listening and you're like, why does she keep only not not converting it to kilograms? I don't know. I'm I'm a mum and I write the show notes around my kids yelling at me. (laughs) So if I've missed it, I apologize. But 355 pounds, I imagine it's like... uh, It was morbidly obese. It was tremendous. Yeah, 100 and something kilos. Close to 200 kilos. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uncomfortable, I, I, as you've said, so uncomfortable. And so what a relief to have that weight gone off your frame. It was, it was great. 
Did you start exercising or have you got there yet? Are you walking? Yeah, or- I, I do. I exercise. Um, I started, but also it was one of those things for me, it really needed to be something that I enjoyed um, and something that was going to be part of my life. I, I can't torture myself. <laughs> I was just thinking because sometimes you just become fun because it becomes exciting to see what your body can do. So I was, I was meaning more like that, like moving your body in more ways than you normally would. Yeah, totally. You know, I, I started by going out for walks. Um, as a kid, I liked to bike ride a lot. Um, and while I was heavy, at one point when I decided I was going to try to lose weight, I, uh, I bought a bicycle and I was really upset because I couldn't move 10 feet on it. I, um, I was just was so out of shape that I, and I grew up on a bike and like to not be able to bike for me, I was like, oh man, like that felt really bad. Um, so then I started biking eventually. I bought, you know, a couple months into it, I bought another bike. And um, I started, I live a few blocks from the ocean, so I, there's a beautiful boardwalk, and I would just ride slowly up and down the boardwalk, and um, eventually got better at it and faster, and that's my favorite way to exercise right now. I have a road bike now, and I'm, you know, like on a Sunday, I'll do 30 miles in the morning, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's part of my, it's, I, I do it when I, when I want to do it, and it's, it's just a lot of fun for me. I like to jog also, you know, run, jog, you know, but just when it's fun for me, you know, I, I think it's important to exercise every day. I think it's, you know, it's as important as brushing your teeth, but I, also to find a way to do it that's enjoyable. Absolutely. And I think is, I don't, I, people often say, Corinne, do a, do a workout at home, like a home video workout. And I, and I, if it's freezing and hard and I can't get out, then I will, but I just love being outside and smelling the air and running or riding a bike. It's nothing for me. It's just the choice of sitting at home and doing a workout, like a heat workout for 30 minutes in my lounge room, looking at the walls or being (laughs) out in nature. It's just nothing, nothing. Oh yeah. I'm the same way. It's, it's so hard for me to exercise at home. Um, And you know, you mentioned before talking about when, you know, when I was big, how I hated the summer and loved the winter and now it's really flipped and now i i really loathe the winter and i love the summer i look so much i look so forward to the nice weather and uh this has really motivated me to uh look to move to a place with a nice climate all year at some point same dan i live in victoria (laughs) victoria like america has places that get so cold and we don't have anywhere really like that but victoria is one of the coldest second coldest state in australia And summers are glorious and I live in the forest and it is beautiful. Even in winter, it's beautiful with the rain on the big trees and everything. But it's, free, it's getting to be freezing and getting outside. So you're, in the op- you're just getting towards the winter yeah, now? Yeah, it's just starting to wow. get freezing. Oh, I have so much sympathy for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm feeling it today on my We're run. We're just coming out of it. <laughs> uh, today on my run, my fingers are all cramping up from the cold and my face was freezing on the run and I thought, oh, my God, we're barely even in. We're not even in winter yet. We're just... We've got a month to go. Well, not less than a month to go. But anyway, I'm dreading it. So, yeah, I agree with you. I keep saying to my husband, can we move? And he's like, all our friends are here. And I'm like, oh, I know. Why can't everyone move? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I yeah, it, 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 exercise is very rough for me in the winter because I love being outside. And one, I guess, some sort of negative thing about losing weight is I'm so cold now. Uh, my tolerance for the cold has... Uh, going down significantly me too um, we're installing but it's okay a it's a fair trade-off i know it's true i'm always freezing and i've just got some old lady thermals 
I feel is that ageist? Oh, I'm sorry. That was one of those first things I was went buying the long underwear. You've got the long underwear on. <laughs> I've got a whole wardrobe of it. Oh, it's just the best. And I saw a person today with a blanket hoodie that's really long. It's like a cozy blanket, and I was thinking, I am definitely put purchasing one of those. <laughs> I am definitely. Yeah, I, I've considered bringing a blanket to work with me, which oh is God. something in my old it's life freezing. I would have laughed at myself I considerably. I know. Yeah, I feel the same way. But one thing, a plus that I've noticed, and I'm sure you did too, how good does it feel when you're losing weight and exercising like alongside it? And well, one number one, you get like a better time or a better outcome. But for me, like when I run and I'm heavier, even even a kilo or two, and you lose that kilo or two, and you're like, wow, it just feels so much nicer on my feet and legs. To, to yeah, have yeah, it with two kilos and then you lose two more and you're like, oh, my gosh, I feel so light when I'm running and it feels so – you don't realize that it's heavy when you're heavy until you lose some weight and then you're like, oh, my gosh, running is so much more enjoyable without that two kilos or that even one kilo and it just keeps improving so as you go along. Yeah, you know, I was really – I know a lot of people advise not to do this, um, but I did it. It worked for me. I weighed myself every day. Um, when I was losing weight. Dr. Gregor says, Dr. Gregor says, and I always thought it was psychologically really damaging. And I know for many people it is, but Dr. Gregor's book, I was listening to it this, uh, this last week on my runs. And he was saying that people who do weigh themselves daily, even twice a day, which I've done, oh my God, I've been psychotic with my scales totally over the years. <laughs> like and my husband walks in and he goes, oh my God, you're in mentalist with your weighing. And I'm like, well, when I know, I kind of get to have learned what foods make me gain weight and carry weight and what to do and when to, you know, it's really helped me. But Dr. Gregor says that the people who lose weight and keep it off the most are regular weighers, daily weighers. So he made me feel, he made me feel better. That's so funny. Yeah, a lot of people I've spoken to have done the same thing. But everyone else says ditch the scales and get rid of them. But I always weigh myself and it's worked for me. I love yeah, it. So I definitely felt every pound that I lost, you know, really like, and really it felt like a like an achievement each time each pound that i lost and i really felt i definitely felt considerably better each time each exercise was better a little bit faster time like you said but it also just felt better and even now like i know if i have a bad day eating like i don't feel so good and i know if i get back into a day of good a day of good eating i immediately feel better i feel so much more it's like if you're into photography at all you know you could put your camera into manual mode or into auto. And in the past, I was just on auto all the time. And now I'm really on manual and I could really control every little part of this. Um, it's been so empowering to me. Oh, that is so wonderful. I know what you mean about autopilot. And I was thinking today on my own run, I was thinking about, because I've been doing this meditation with 24-year-old me trying to love myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was thinking about how I used to eat. And I used to eat as I was studying. I was starting to study then and I was working then. And my work, if I was working or studying late at night, like you're saying, I would just sit with a bag of, we call them lollies here, maybe a bag of lollies and a block of chocolate and a can of energy drink. And I would sit with these snacks around me to get me through the late night studying or the late night shifts of night shift. And I just was on autopilot and I like I don't remember feeling sluggish after that or feeling much of anything. Just like I just ate those that bag. I might have bought two bags of lollies and just sat there at that shift or at that desk while I was doing essays 
eating a whole bag of lollies. So I ate a whole bag of lollies and a block of chocolate and a can of sugar-filled energy drink now, I would feel so <laughs> sick and I would know that I would be doing something really bad to my body and my health. But I had no awareness of it then. I was just running today thinking about what I used to eat and I was just thinking, wow, like how did how did how did I do that and not notice that I felt disgusting? Because it's also it's it's almost like um, like getting a massage kind of because you know, you're eating that food. It's not necessarily about eating to fulfill to scratch an itch. Really, it's more like I want to be in this experience now for mm. as long as I can. <laughs> so like a big bag of cheese puffs that's gonna last. That's gonna give me an hour of getting that food massage. You know, being in that experience. <laughs> And, uh, so and and what I realized was like that you're never really satisfied with it. It's never never actually enjoyable, honestly, because you always either you want more, always want more, or you eat so much that you feel sick. So there's never a good outcome with it. Oh my gosh, my husband. They have a story, a childhood story where we where we live, and I don't know if you have it there, but the old woman who swallowed a fly. Do you ever have that? Yeah, sure. You yeah. know that story? So she keeps swallowing things to counteract that she swallowed that first fly. And I used to, when I back when I was very heavy, I'd say, oh, my God, I ate this Twix. I ate this chocolate bar and G. So then I ate this thing because I was like, that made me feel yuck. So now I'm going to eat this. But then I felt stick in a different way. So then I ate this. And it's like, Corinne, <laughs> like, can, can you see that maybe just stopping eating rather than eating all these different things to count? Like I felt sick from the ice cream. So then I had a can of lemonade just to cut through the fat of the ice cream. But then I felt weird from the lemonade. So I needed chips to cut through the sweetness of the chips. And then there was just this, I was just the old woman swallowing a fly all day. Uh, and, and ultimately it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. You know, it's uh, it, that, and that's the thing that people don't realize. People think that it's this like that. My life now is this life of holding back enjoyment of life, um, but that's not it. You know, it's uh, it's it's. I am enjoying myself. I'm eating a lot. I, I'm liking the things that I eat, and I find that I'm enjoying food a lot more. And I'm still definitely like a, a foodie, I guess you could say. I'm still someone who really appreciates and loves food, and I think that's really important and beautiful. And it's not something to be shameful. It's, it's food you're eating shouldn't be a shameful experience. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing with the eating that I used to eat and for you as well, it, is that even though at the time when you're eating it, like you say, you like you're getting a massage and how long can I drag this out for? Can I eat Can I hit two bags of lollies in a chocolate bar? I'll be eating until, you know. And Rinji, oh my gosh, so many time, you know, so many moments, so many food parties, we used to call it food party, we're having a food party tonight. <laughs> And it would just be a disgusting... Wake up with a graveyard of wrappers around me. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) But now it is... I'm speaking for myself, but it's it's a freedom that I've never experienced, that people think that we're in a prison now. We can't eat this. We can't eat that. It's horrible. How are you going to go to a party? How are you going to go to a wedding or a function and no one can cater for you anymore? But for me, none of that is... That's just a nothing trade for the freedom that I've got. Do you know what I mean? Like it's nothing to lose. Absolutely. And for just for me personally, like I've have let myself indulge time to time, and I've learned a lot about myself from doing that. You know, so like I, I would say, like let's say I'm going to a party, and I know there's going to be amazing food at this party, and if I'm not in the place where like 
I'm going to enjoy myself and go there and be able to abstain from everything and have a good time. There's been plenty of times where I'll be like, you know what? Tonight I'm going to, I'm going to, going to be old me. I'm going to go in, I'm going to eat what I want and we're going to see how it goes. And almost always, you know, I'm not going to say that food doesn't taste good, um, but it's not, it, it almost always by the end of the night, it's like, eh, like I, I don't know why I did that. And uh, not, and not that I'm like, regretting it necessarily i always try to be like this was an, a learning experience now it's a reference point now for the next time going forward and the better i've gotten at this and I, being in that zone i, I just kind of crave the healthier things now a lot more and that's just part i know you know what i'm going to eat that's going to give me energy that's going to make me feel good that i'm going to be able to perform with um and the contrary absolutely so what does life what would a typical day of eating look like for you now after having lost? How many? How much weight have you lost so far? 170 pounds. Oh, my um, goodness. That is so thank incredible. You. Thank you. So normal day these days, I'm, I'm a little bit of a creature of habit. Like So like my breakfasts are pretty similar. Do a lot of steel-cut oats with whatever fresh fruits I have around. Um, almond milk, fresh fruits, sometimes a little bit of nut butter. Um I do like a lot of um, toast. I don't know if you have the brand Ezekiel Food for Life. It's sprouted um, we whole grain. Don't I? No, oh, we do have sprouted breads, but I don't know if they're called Ezekiel breads here. Okay, um, so there's a company called Ezekiel here, yeah. and they make these sprouted, you know, grain breads. Um, so I'll use that. You know, toast with like a little bit of nut butter and either a banana or um, like I have this. Uh, Preserve, like fruit preserves, the, the jam that's made just with fruit, no sugar or anything like that. You know, sprinkle some like hemp, flax, things like that on top. Or just fresh fruit, a lot of fresh fruit if I have it around. Um, a smoothie, I like I'm a big smoothie guy. I have a big green smoothie for lunch every day. What's your favorite smoothie, Dan? Give me your ingredients. What goes in? I'm going to give you my, I have had this smoothie almost every day now for, for years. Yeah, tell it's my me, favorite. tell it's, me, tell me. All right, so. A glass, a sixteen ounce glass of water, ice water, a whole lemon peeled, a like two inch piece of ginger, a nice big like knob of ginger, a, entire apple or a pear, um, usually a red apple or a green pear, a stalk of celery, half a cucumber, a bunch like a handful of mint leaves, a about a half a cup of frozen pineapple, and then the rest fill up with power greens, Swiss chard. Kale and spinach. I get like a mix uh, oh with all those three. Oh my god! This is a pretty and amazing... I'll also throw in flax and hemp. In that oh too. <laughs> my gosh! So it's to me, it's everything you need. And um, your day is it done. You, it gives me so much. Your day's done. Yeah, that's I want, that's how I know. Like Dr. Furman talks about your pound of green vegetables, a pound of raw, pound of cooked. Like that's how I know. Like I've got my green vegetables in today. I've got what I need. How much greens do you put in? Did I miss that part when I was writing down? I, writing I, down I the recipe. I fill the rest of the. It's about oh, yeah. three cups, I would say. Wow. Um, I fill the the, the top uh, with uh, power greens. Oh uh, my it's like gosh. That, that's what the mix is called. I'm gonna make Ranjit this. My husband's name's Ranjit. Sorry if you don't know. Uh, um, he edits a podcast, and his smoothie to me looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ranjit. No, he's, he's he's it's very healthy, but um, it's not what I would. He he loves it though. He loves it, but he's just got peas in it, and I think that is just. 
Because one of the guests on the show was like, rather than adding protein powder, if you want protein, just have a cup of peas. Like, it's cheaper and don't worry. And so Ranjit was like, all right. Yeah. Quinoa. Quinoa. True. People add chickpeas as well. But yours looks really, really great. And I would sometimes maybe add to that a bit of a fresh a fresh bit of turmeric. I do, actually. Yeah, I actually, I, I've been adding that lately. In the um, winter months? Why not? Either in place of the ginger or with. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Yeah, awesome. I love that. That's a great recipe. I will... It's so good. The mint and the pineapple is such a great combination. I will add this to the show notes if everyone's listening and wants me to write it down for them. You can have it in your recipe book. Yeah, the mint. The mint's a game changer in, oh, in, in pineapple <laughs> and mint. And that can... That, those two together are best friends, I think. In a oh, yeah. Discovering, not that it was, wasn't a part of my life beforehand, but rediscovering mint and lemon have been huge game changers for me. Just like with water, like to get off of soda. It just, I mean, to now to think of how much soda I used to have, it's, it drives me nuts to think like how much I used to drink and how that's just not something I crave anymore. And a lot of that is due to lemon and mint. <laughs> Uh, so this is I'm drinking a bottle of lemon water as we as we <laughs> chat but I know for me the amount of cans of energy drinks which I think are so bad for people and like my father oh, would be yeah. so sad if my kids drank them but I used to just smoke and slam energy drinks all day. We had very similar habits. It was me it was like the the Red Bulls or yeah. Mountain Dews. It was like a yeah you're looking for that like little rush I guess. Yeah. Um, Oh, God. And you just think the about your thing. poor insides. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, rem- like rocket fuel. <laughs> I know. I remember an old friend of mine. He um, was a council worker and he used to clean public toilets like from the weekends. And if there was blood and vomit, they just had big, huge bottles of Coke in the truck. Oh, and God. they would pour Coke <laughs> to clean the blood and the spew. And I was like, if Coke cleans blood and spew it can't be good for us i was never i was never into coke i have to say uh, and that's the one thing thankfully everyone will agree with us on that soda is that i don't think anyone's gonna tell you that soda is a health <laughs> no thankfully it's... because it's that's one of those like that's one of those things i could draw a line in the sand and say that's an addictive bad food yeah. <laughs> like, that's something that's damaged i think to me i liken soda with cigarettes in yeah. a lot of ways same same it, it, they're both they're both they're both so bad and every at least everyone knows that as you say they're one of the things you can say look cut the soda and everyone will just go okay you're right i should do i should ditch the soda but if you say you know what you should do cut out those pork the pork and the uh, <laughs> eggs and the bacon and they're like actually no <laughs> how dare you <laughs> maybe you don't have to have meat with every meal and like people look at you like you're crazy but <laughs> soda they've gotten so i'm glad that yeah. they've got the memo on soda so one thing i want to add before we hang up would be where can people follow you and your story online? So I have an Instagram page, Daniel's Manual. That's where I post most of my food that I eat, some inspirational stuff, um, before, after pictures, things like that. But mostly food. A lot, of, mostly in my, a lot of my stories, but posts as well. Um, I try. I, I'm posting a lot, so and uh, feel free to reach out for any, with any questions. I'm very accessible on there. I'm not always great at writing recipes down. So if there's something that uh, you see that you want to know how to make, I, I love to teach. And especially I love to teach how to cook. So uh, any questions, uh, 
anyone, please let me know. Um, and I'd be happy to help you out. Awesome. Thank you so much. Now, last but not least, Dan, what would be your three biggest tips for anyone who's listening who is still struggling with weight loss and struggling to commit to a whole food plant-based diet or any kind of lifestyle change? What would be your three biggest pieces of advice? So my number one piece of advice that I mentioned, I mentioned a little bit earlier um, was to don't give up. Don't, don't be resigned in the fact that this is going to be your reality for the rest of your life. Become knowledgeable. Always work on it. Try and try and try. And whatever step backs there are, don't let that – don't be resigned to that. Um, always keep fighting. Uh, that, that's number one, I would say. Number two, it's important to to treat yourself kindly. And there's a lot that goes into that. And for me, treating myself kindly meant to like what I ate. And I think it's really important, whatever, in any way that you're trying to get control of your health, eat healthier, um, get a better uh, understanding of nutrition, if you could find things that you really like and treat yourself well with that, um, and put that, that's where you should put the effort in is to try, to try to find things, maybe try things that you haven't done before, um, go to farmers markets, produce stores, find things that look cool that maybe you haven't tried either or you've never had before. Um, or it's something that it was, you haven't had in a very long time, give it another shot, step out of your comfort zone a bit. And that's, that's really my number three advice is to start, I'll blend the number two and three is to step out of your comfort zone. Don't be afraid to try new things. Um, be it a food, a type of exercise, um, a way of eating, um, look in, look into things, you know, don't believe anything anyone tells you at face value, look into things, um, trust yourself, but look into things and, um, but don't be afraid to try new things. Don't, don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone because for me being in my comfort zone caused me a lot of problems for a lot of years. And it was getting it stepping into that comfort zone, um, where I was able to sit, at, at a TV at night and watch movies and eat bags and bags of junk food and bottles and bottles of soda. So being able to step out of that comfort zone, um, you know, discomfort doesn't necessarily mean pain, you know, just means something different. So it's an important in, in any change in life or in anything in life, really, just to allow yourself to step out of that and to try new things and to be open to new things. And I think I can speak for Daniel in so far as when you know, imagine being told that you would eat this way when you were right in the midst of all that, all that junk food and all that foods that we used to love and thinking of it as such a source of support and comfort. This does feel like a horrific suffering, saying you're never going to eat meat or processed foods, you know, you're not going to have those things again. But on the looking back, like that, that, dis- that initial discomfort is what it, – it's so – quickly replaced by a sense of freedom and joy at feeling so much better in our bodies and in our lives and being able to do so much more. But I just, I I couldn't, 24 year old Corinne couldn't recognize me now and, and wouldn't have thought that my life would be good (laughs) if someone had said, you know, you could quit smoking and lose, you know, don't do any eating junk food and give up ice cream and give up all these things and you'll have a great life. And I would have said, I don't believe you. <laughs> but was that, was that true for you too? Would you have thought that you would enjoy this if you had been asked? I think if you would have just told me that part, then I definitely, but if I would have known, uh, if I would have seen like that I was able to be successful in losing weight 
I would have grabbed onto it. I think right oh, away. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. But if you just get told you ha- what you have, to, what you kind of sacrifice, yeah, I'm like oh, that- crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that was my first reaction yeah, when my dad told yeah. me that about that book. I'm like, you're out of your mind. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was like you. I guess a, a lot of the guests on this show have one thing in common: is that we're highly motivated. You know, yeah. you were su- your suffering had reached a point that you were like. And you had two beautiful boys, you two beautiful babies, and you were like, this can't be it for my kids and for me, you know. Yeah. It has to be a big motivation. And I think that people can't, you can, ma- you can, not the word, not manifest. If you don't feel like you have that, you can create that motivation for yourself by, you know, making, thinking about who needs who needs you because i think for a lot of people we forget that other people around us need us to be well and one of the, th- the things that i think about a lot is when i'm thinking about the choices i make i think about what do my who do my kids need me to be today do they need me to be quitting on this and quitting on myself and making this choice do they need me to to be healthy and strong and thriving and do my parents need to not see me sick with multiple sclerosis do you know who people around me who 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 needs me well and who needs the work that I'm doing and who needs me to show up and that's one thing that really inspires me with the choices I make is to is to put those people who really need me to be healthy and well in the forefront of my mind when I don't feel like I have that internal resources that's just based on my own personal health is to think about others even in my community and in our school and all those things that that need me to to be healthy and strong and to be at my best i think that's great you know ultimately we have to do what we do for ourselves in a lot in in, in an important way um but that's such an important part and that's such a way out of of you know, mental health struggle. I, 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 I'm a social worker and I've seen so many people who, um, and just myself, I guess, you know, when you deal with being depressed at times, if you can kind of take yourself out of it for a little bit and be like, I need to be well for the people that I take care of and the people that rely on me, the people, the wife that deserve, deserves to have a happy husband around the kids that deserve to have a happy father. Um, that could be a very important motivator. And I, I think they, those things definitely go hand in hand. You have to help yourself for sure. Um, and you need to prioritize yourself in a lot of ways. But that also is is very much part of that. And that, they definitely go hand in hand. They definitely do. I think for me, what I'm, why I'm mentioning that is because when I was 24 in that version of myself that I'm still trying to love, I was only thinking about me. I was very depressed. I spent all my time in bed and and I didn't like me. So I didn't care about making me suffer because I didn't think I was worthy of anything better than suffering. So it, it did help me to think about somebody else first. And then when I started to feel better, I started to like this version of me more. Do you know what I mean? So totally. it's however it works for you. But for me, thinking about my parents having a sick child after losing their other child to a disease, thinking of them losing it, that kind of, that, gave me and and thinking of Brett desperately wanting my brother wanting to live I thought you know I can't waste this because he didn't get it and it's not fair and I can't waste it so then for me was a way to get out of my own self sadness and self pity and just low self-worth and misery cycle because I wasn't going to be able to heal personally at that time I wasn't going to be able to make choices for a person who I didn't like 
Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense to me. I relate to a lot of that. Absolutely. But I grew confidence and self-esteem by repeatedly making those good choices. And then I started to like the person that yeah, I Yeah, you create, kind of create those reference points. And like you, yeah. that becomes that learned behavior. A lot of things are learned behaviors. And just like we learn to numb ourselves with food a lot, we also can learn those good habits too. And um, you know, we got to grab onto whatever motivates us. We do. I love those three tips. Don't give up, which I think is so important. And so many people do tend to give up. And so I think it's a great reminder that there's always a new day. There's always a new meal choice. There's always a new opportunity. So it's wonderful. Um, it's an opportunity to choose yourself over and over again. Treat yourself kindly. I think that that is so important. And most of us, as we've mentioned in this show many times, we don't treat ourselves very kindly. And so... Forgiving yourself when you fall off and slip up and all those things because we're humans and we're not perfect and we're, you know, to tie back to the very beginning, we are in a society and in a world that's heavily structured to keep us sick and unwell and obese, unfortunately. Yeah, you can't go to a pharmacy, at least in the United States, without being assaulted by candy bars when you're just trying to go check out. Absolutely. Same here, same here. And step out of your comfort zone. And I think that it's that's such an important step that we don't want to do because we love being safe and cozy and like we're biologically not wired to want to step out of our comfort zones for risk of a saber-toothed tiger you know coming to get us so it totally makes sense but when we do there's so much reward on the other side for many of us thank you that was uh you summed it up beautifully thank you (laughs) that was uh I, i believe it and this has been uh such a pleasure to, to finally get to speak to you and uh, after listening to the podcast it's nice it's nice to be on it. it's pretty cool yeah it's so awesome to have you on it dan thank you so much for coming on the show uh, my pleasure thank you corinne thank you so much dan for coming on the show it was really lovely chatting with you we're still in isolation so every new face is a joy for me And I absolutely loved hearing your story and I admire you and your journey that you've been on. And yeah, it was just great to to see you and to hear about your transformation. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope this episode was valuable to you. It was really valuable to me personally. I found it really enjoyable and inspirational. I'd love to hear from you if you have any questions for Dan or any questions for me. Remember that you can find Dan at Daniel's Manual on Instagram. So that's at D-A-N-I-E-L-S-M-A-N-U-A-L. The link is in the show notes. You will see his incredible before and after pictures in the show notes as well. They are amazing. He has just just done such a beyond inspirational Thing in what he's done for his health and his body and his family and his life. You know, changing your whole, you know, doing this isn't a diet. I loved what Daniel said in this interview when he said that if you start another program, programs all come to an end. And that made me really think about my own programs because the terminology really makes a difference. He wanted to to start a new lifestyle, a new life. I loved that. And this is a new lifestyle, a new life. And Daniel has that. And so please click on the show notes so that you can see Daniel's transformation for yourself because obviously this is just an audio-only podcast. I highly recommend checking it out if you need some extra inspiration and motivation. And I love Daniel's three biggest tips, which were number one, don't give up. Number two, treat yourself kindly 
And number three, step out of your comfort zone. Those three tips are just perfect, I think, in explaining what it takes for many of us. It does take that deep desire not to give up and also to treat ourselves kindly because it's often not a linear journey. It's often a journey with ebbs and flows and ups and downs and swings and roundabouts. So treat yourself kindly along the way. You know, this is a long, lifelong a lifelong conditioning of eating a certain way and then flipping that on its head. And it, it, takes, it takes some time for many, many, many people. So treat yourself kindly as you do that and go through that journey. And stepping out of our comfort zone, which is so hard for so many of us, but reaps the biggest results in most cases. So I love those tips. Thank you so much. And I've posted Daniel's recipe for his smoothie in the show notes as well. So head over there to check that out and make that smoothie for yourself. And you will be feeling absolutely amazing, I'm sure, in no time if you just if you just add that smoothie into your life every day. Thanks again for listening. Please share this episode with your loved ones and family and friends on social media. It all helps sharing these stories and getting them out there to people. I hope help inspire others to take steps to change their lives as well, like Daniel has and like I have and like the guests on this show have. And every single person that this episode touches hopefully will begin to have that light bulb moment, that, oh, maybe things can be different moment. I just hope that these episodes plant seeds for people, basically. I want them to plant seeds like Daniel's father planted that seed for Daniel and Daniel's father's doctor planted that seed with giving him Dr. Joel Furman's book, eat to live, you know, it's just a little seed. And then it just, as time goes on, water goes onto that, you know, we water that seed a little and it starts to germinate and look what happens. Daniel happens, you know, Daniel happens and Tony Boucher happens when he, he you know, he drinks a smoothie at his sister-in-law's house and Amanda Fisher happens and Adam Guthrie happens and all these people that have come on this show Andrew Taylor happens. There are so many. I'm mentioning him just because I always do. So <laughs> I just, I just thought I'd better just pop his name in there. Then all of us, all of every single guest on this show started with just a seed, just a seed. So don't expect that your family's minds are transformed from this. I didn't become plant based overnight or a vegan overnight. A little seed was planted when. I went and stayed with a vegan family once and then another seed was planted when um, a friend of mine gave me the information about the Gawler Foundation and their MS program there and another seed was planted when the MS Society sent me two pages of Dr Swank's research paper. I didn't go vegan from any of them. It was a culmination of all of those seeds. And then I saw videos of factory farming in my Facebook feed and they were horrific. And that happened. And for everyone who thinks that posting those videos just makes everyone hate you in your in your friends list, like sure, it makes probably most of them hate you. <laughs> but I, I went vegan because of things like that, because I, because I was scrolling through and Gary V's video, the best video you'll ever see, I think it's called, came in my video, made my feed, and I was hooked on that caption, that title, like it was meant to hook people, and it did. It got me, and I watched it, and it absolutely changed my life. I went vegan on the back of, you know, my own motherhood journey, 
realizing that animals were important because I loved my children and that, you know, all animals are important from that. And I was interestingly watching Fred Rogers' movie that Tom Hanks was in the other night and he was saying how he couldn't eat anything that has a mother. And that was really touching as well. And I think that that's, I was thinking about it from the mother's version of I couldn't eat anything that any, any mother's baby because I love my baby so much. I liked Fred's version as well, where you could he can't he can't eat anything that has a mother, which was beautiful. But you know, all those things were just seeds, seeds planted. And I imagine that people who aren't vegan who watched that Tom Hanks movie with about Fred Rogers, um, about Mr. Rogers, that they will hear him say, "I can't eat anything that has a mother," and it will just be a little tiny seed, and they may not think about that ever again. But then something else will come along, and something else will come along, something else will come along. And I imagine that just that little seed will grow into something that's potentially going to be another person on a plant-based journey because none of us really like the suffering and cruelty that goes along with the animal agricultural industry and also the environmental devastation that goes with that industry as well and and then the health implications that go along with it too. So planting seeds is what sharing this podcast is about. So if you're someone who's reluctant about sharing stories like this, you just you might have three people unfollow you, maybe, I doubt it, but you might plant a seed for someone who's really struggling with their health and with their excess weight. And you never know what the results might be. You might be the beginning of a complete transformation like Daniel's been through. And wouldn't that just be wonderful? It would just be so wonderful. And that was the whole purpose and mission of this podcast is is that goal. So you will be helping me a lot, but in turn you'll be helping someone that you might never know that you've helped in your friends list in such an incredible way. So thank you again for listening and for supporting this podcast in all the ways that you do from commenting and mentioning and sharing and tagging and all of those things and messaging me and reaching out to me in messenger or via email. I really, really love you all. And this podcast is for all of you. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Bye. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road. Riding with you in the sunnier 